from worshiping with my wife. Uh, back in college, we used to both play guitar and sing songs together at a, um, up in Columbia at a, a Bible study that we would do, and we haven't done that in a long, long time, so that's very cool. So, um, But what I didn't plan for is that it was going to shoot my voice, <laughs> so... Um, I apologize for that part, um, but uh, yeah, we're going to, if you'll turn your Bibles to Colossians 3, um, I promise we will get there, but if you'll also um, look on uh, John 16 and uh, kind of mark a place there with a bulletin or something, um, and Stephen has Bibles, if you need a Bible, um, he'll bring one to you. So um, let's pray again, just that God will speak to us tonight. Father God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to uh, to speak, Lord, to teach from your word. Um, I thank you for the worship that we had, and I pray that we would continue to worship you through the study of your word together. Um, and uh, just uh, help me to uh, step out of the way, Lord, and speak speak your truths from your word to your people tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so the title of my study tonight is How Is Your Outlook? Um, I want us to each think about this and ask ourselves, how is my outlook lately and how am I living in light of my outlook? Um, And I have a little disclaimer. When I was in medical school, we would have uh, professors that would stand up in front of a room full of people and say, I have more slides than I can possibly get through in this hour. You know, uh, or a uh, saying we had was, it's like trying to take a drink from a fire hydrant. Um, kind of like that a little bit tonight, but I'll, I'll, uh, I want to walk you through kind of what the Lord brought me to this point of teaching in Colossians tonight. So I'll intro through that. As I was thinking about this, Mark uh, taught us um, a little while ago about who are you, and it was, uh, I'm a follower of Christ. Um, And Greg taught us about how are you living, uh, to not be unequally yoked by living as the world lives. And I want us to think about this and remember this truth tonight, that we are in a spiritual war. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6 in the New Living Translation says, We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And after you have become fully obedient, we will punish everyone who remains disobedient. So, We need to keep that in mind as we move forward. But I'm going to ask you guys, I'm going to ask you, they've asked some questions. I'm going to ask you a question. How is your outlook? Let's face it. It's easy to become discouraged these days. There's lots of reasons for discouragement. There's threats of war. There's threats of terror attacks. There's division within our country. Our beliefs are under attack. There's even division amongst those who claim to follow Christ. And that sometimes can be one of the more frustrating things of all. Um, So recently I found myself in this state of mind, discouraged. 
And I looked up some synonyms for discouraged as I was preparing for tonight. Disillusioned, disenchanted, disappointed, let down, more cynical, sour, negative, world weary. That one kind of stood out to me. World weary. Um, In the midst of this discouragement, recently on a Wednesday night, some of you may remember this teaching, Tom was teaching from Isaiah and the Lord spoke to me. I mean, it's one of those times where God just really speaks to you. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And the spiritual principle that Tom taught us was that the enemies of the righteous are never victorious. And then he told us how Joshua 23, 10 says God fights for you. Romans 16, 20 says God always wins. So God spoke to me in a personal way in my discouraged state. He said, Kevin, stop living from a position of defeat and start living from a position of victory. And this has been resonating in my mind ever since. This is what I wanted to share with you tonight. If you're discouraged, stop living from a position of defeat and start living from a position of victory. So let's look at John 16 and 17. And this tells us why we can live from a position of victory. Number one, because Jesus has the victory. John 16:33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The other reason that we can have, we can live from a position of victory is because Jesus prayed for us. John 17, 20 through 21, just a little bit over from there. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. That was Jesus praying for us. We're those who will believe in him through the word that the disciples passed. But the Lord didn't want me to stop there. He wanted me to share a specific passage of scripture with you and for us to study it together. I began to pray for him to show me a passage, and he led me to Colossians 3, 1 through 17. And that's what I'm going to teach from tonight. So find that place that you marked in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. And as we read this together, I want us to think about this question. How should we live from a position of victory? Okay, starting in verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears then you will also appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all of these anger, wrath, Malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man and his deeds, 
and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgive, forgave you, you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If you're taking notes... I think this breaks down nicely into three sections and one reminder. Number one, develop a heavenly mindset in verses one through four. Secondly, put to death the old, the old nature or the flesh, verses five through eleven. Third, put on the new nature, the spirit, verses twelve through sixteen. And the reminder is it's not about me, it's about Jesus Christ in me in verse seventeen. So number one, develop a heavenly mindset. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. The New Living Translation reads, since you have been raised to a new life with Christ. And I like what John Corson says on this passage. He says, I am thoroughly convinced from watching people and studying the word that the people who are truly content are those who constantly realize that this world is not where it's at. On the other hand, those who try to find happiness here are perpetually frustrated. So we are to seek first the kingdom, but in this case, seek those things which are above. And we are also to set our mind in verse 2 on things above, not things on the earth. Um, this would be better translated, continue seeking, continue setting your mind, keep doing this. It's, a, it's an ongoing thing. And then in verse 3 we read, For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And for when Christ who is our life appears, then you will also appear, or you also will appear with him in glory. So how have we died to the old nature, to the flesh, to this world and the way we lived before we were born again, to the appetites of our flesh controlling us. I like how these two verses read in New Living. It says, For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. I love that phrase, when Christ who is your life. Let that soak in. Is Christ your life? Can you honestly say that in a practical sense? Does the way you think and act display and 
show that Christ is your life. The second part we're talking about is putting to death the old nature or the flesh. In verse 5 we read, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. But of these things, the wrath of God, or because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all of these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man and his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. This section is all about the sin that can so easily entangle us, even as believers. Remember, Paul's writing this letter to people in the church. In verse 5, we see uncontrolled appetites and we see those in the in terms of sexual sin of fornication uncleanness passion and we also see sins of the mind evil desire covetousness <clears throat> these are things that people might not see but they're in our mind or can be and uh, covetousness means to eagerly, eagerly desire or to pant after And then we also see idolatry, which is to follow our your own desires instead of God's desires. Verses 6 and 7 remind us that God is a righteous judge and that we used to walk in the flesh. <clears throat> in the first part of verse 8, we see unholy attitudes, anger, wrath, malice, which is more of a hardened anger. And so these are also things we want to guard against. And and I don't know about you guys, but, you know, when I read lists of sins like this, sometimes I'm kind of like, well, yeah, that doesn't really apply to me. That Yeah, well, not right now. But there's going to be things that God convicts us of at different times in our life. And the point is we don't want to live by that old nature and in, in those sins. In the rest of verse 8 and verse 9, we see untamed speech, blasphemy, filthy language. You know, um, when I've been down uh, at the GO team with uh, Greg, he'll often share the way of the master um, format of sharing the gospel. And he talks about asking people, you know, have you committed different kinds of sins, broken different commandments? And he talks about have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? And people say yes. And he's like, that's blasphemy. That's like taking God's name and, you know, his holy name and rubbing it through the mud, you know, ru- running it on your feet and things. And and uh, that just, I was thinking about that as I was thinking about blasphemy and how common it is nowadays to just, some people do the OMG thing, you know, and, and it's, it's so flippant. It's just, there's no thought in, in how we disregard the name of God. 
And filthy language can be the same way, you know. I mean, it's easy to slip into uh, when you're around certain people, letting those things come out. We should have no part of that. And Tom shared this before. I think it's a good reminder. It's the acronym THINK, T-H-I-N-K, as if you didn't know how to spell THINK. But um, true, or I'm sorry, before you speak something, think before you speak. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And is it kind? True, helpful, inspiring, necessary, kind. Well, if we went by that, we probably wouldn't say things that we shouldn't be saying very often. Um, And then it also talks about, in regards to untamed speech here, lying to each other. And remember, again, he's talking about people in the church. So um, in verses 9 and 10, Paul reminds the people he's writing to in Colossae and us to put off the old man and his deeds and put on the new man. I think it's good to check ourselves and ask, am I living by the old nature, the flesh, or by the new nature, the spirit? These are always warring against each other. And, um, you know, to evaluate that in our lives. And finally, in the list of sins of the old nature in verse 11, we see unwarranted prejudice. Paul speaks out strongly against this, and I'm sure it wasn't popular message in his time. I mean, he was talking about there being no difference between Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Um, the uh, Scythian thing, they were like the worst of the barbarians. They were known to, um, uh, it's kind of graphic, but, you know, when they would kill people, you know, remove their skulls and drink their blood from their skull caps. And, I mean, he's saying that there's no difference between us as upright walking Jews and these people, you know. I mean, so his point is that that, as Ginger was saying earlier, if we're all, you know, if, if a person was without Christ, they're dead. And if they're with Christ, they're alive. If they're born again. And so um, there's no room for that prejudice. So our third section is to put on the new nature, the spirit. That's in verses 12 through 16. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. I love how God in his wisdom does not just tell us what not to do, I think a lot of people think Christianity is about a lot of things that you're not supposed to do. Um, And as we've seen, we are to put off the old nature, but we are to also put on the new nature. And notice that the new nature, the things that he talks about here, tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, Uh, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. These are not a bunch of activities. 
which we sometimes busy ourselves with. Um, These are things we see in the character of Christ. And by putting them on, we are more transformed into his image. So I really think as a church body, we're not called to scurry about doing a bunch of activities as much as we're called to be Christ-like to each other, to demonstrate by putting on the new man, the new um, the new uh, nature, the spiritual nature, um, demonstrating to each other what we see in characters of Christ and becoming more like him. This reminds me of 2 Corinthians 3.18. Um, it says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now to verse 15. Excuse me. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I think we need to be careful to balance a feeling of peace with the word of God. I hear people talk at times about how God has given them a peace about a decision, and he does do that for us. But we need to make sure that the peace is really coming from the Lord. And the way we do that is by making sure it lines up with his written word. And to do that, we have to be in his written word on a regular basis. And every time we open his word, we need to pray for God to speak to us. I was actually talking about this with um, I was teaching the fourth through sixth graders in Sunday school uh, children's church on Sunday. And I was I kind of jumped right in and they'd already prayed after Ginger had led them in worship. And I kind of jumped right into our lesson. And then I said, I really should have prayed before we started reading this. This is not just any book. This is God's word. And we want him to speak to us. So if any of you guys have kids in that class, what I'm doing when I'm teaching that class is trying to introduce them into how to read and study the Bible on their own. Um, And so there are some of them that want to are getting out Bibles and going through them with we're um, reading them like two verses at a time going around reading. And um, what we're trying to do is as we go through it, um, I'm just honest with them. I'll say sometimes the first time I read through this, I was lost. I was like at the end of it, like, okay, what did I just read? But I said, that's okay. Then we go back and we read it verse by verse again and we talk about it. And I encourage them uh, to ask their parents. So if your kids are coming up to you, I hope they are saying, I'm reading this in the Bible and I don't really understand what it says. And, you know, Ginger and I have been recently led to take a more proactive role in that with our own children. And, uh, we'd kind of slipped a lot on doing family devotions and we're trying to get back into doing that. And then also, um, trying to encourage them Um, age appropriate, of course, but to read the Bible on their own. 
and, uh, you know, to ask them about it. Say, well, what did you read in the Bible today? And uh, just get them to start kind of growing in their own young faith. And so I think that's important to remember um, when we when we uh, look at um, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. So. Okay, so also getting back to the idea that, you know, we have to balance that peace um, that someone has against. Is that really a peace from God? Um, I've met people downtown who claim to have a peace about rejecting Christ as the only way or living their life however they want or following God in their own self-defined way that's unbiblical and doesn't involve church. You know, these are examples of a false peace and being deceived by the enemy and his demons. And we can also deceive ourselves. So we have to see God's word as the final authority, period. Okay, uh, one more verse. Verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And this is our reminder It's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ in me. It's like Paul includes this verse, anticipating that someone will think that there's some kind of formula to follow here and try to do it in their own strength. If we're honest with ourselves, we can easily fall into that same trap. We cannot do the things that we've talked about tonight without the power of Jesus Christ in us. Romans 8, 10 through 11 says, And if Christ is in you, The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So as we reflect on this and we think about one, having a heavenly mindset, Two, putting off the old man or the flesh. Three, putting on the new man or the spirit, the new nature. And four, that we can't do it on our own. It has to be the spirit. It's not about us. It's about Christ in us. As we reflect on those things, I ask you now, how is your outlook? We cannot afford to stay in a place of discouragement. Sure, we are world-weary, as I talked about. We are longing for our true home in heaven with Jesus in eternity. But he has us still here for a reason, and we need to finish strong. We need to refuse to live from a position of defeat. We need to choose to live from a position of victory. As we read tonight, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Remember that when Christ who is your life is if Christ is not your life, you need to make him your life. And I mean that in a couple different ways. One would be certainly to so if there's someone here tonight and I don't think there is, but there might be who's not a believer. Um, You know, we're up here after the service, me and the elders, and we want to pray or maybe you've strayed away from the Lord and you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, you know, come talk to us, pray with us, get right. 
um, in this spiritual battle. But I also mean that if Christ isn't your life, you need to make him your life. If you're just kind of going through the motions somewhat or, you know, your your walk has become kind of stale, kind of dull, reclaim that. Live from a position of victory. You need to put off the old man and his deeds and put on the new man continually. But you can't do it in your own strength. It has to be the word of God working through the spirit of God to transform us, the people of God, more into the image of Jesus Christ. So that's what I wanted to share with you guys tonight. That's what I believe the Lord wanted to share with us as a church body. And um, I just um, want to go ahead and... uh, Just bow our heads and pray, and then we'll come back up and close with one final song. Lord, thank you for putting this message on my heart. I pray that you will work through your word that was taught tonight, Lord, that we would live not from a position of defeat, but from a position of victory, God, and that we would do it not in our own strength, but through your spirit coming alive and working in us, Lord. I do pray that if there's anyone here that that needs prayer in this area, wants prayer in this area, that they would not hesitate to come up and talk to me or one of the elders afterwards. And um, God, I just thank you for this night. And we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.